When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind listener mail. This is Robert Lamb. And this is Joe McCormick, and it is Monday, the day of each week that we read back messages from the Stuff to Blow Your Mind email address. If you have never gotten in touch before, why not give it a try? It is contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Whatever you want to send in is fair game. Of course, we always appreciate feedback to recent episodes, especially if you have something interesting you'd like to add to a topic we talked about. Send it on contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Oh, and also we should give you a heads up at the beginning of today's episode. This will be an all new listener mail episode, but for the rest of this week, we are going to be running some vault episodes because Rob and I will be out, but we're hoping you'll enjoy the vault episodes in our absence and we'll be back with uh, all new content once again next week. All right. What do we have in the mailbag today, Joe? Let's see. I think I'm going to kick things off with this message from Ginger responding to our series on anomalous imagery. This was a series we did on weird looking fuzzy images. Uh, Specifically, we focused on images from deep underwater or from things uh, created in ancient history. Images that some people are quick to interpret as evidence for their highly speculative theory of choice. Aliens, Atlantis, time travelers, etc. But a lot of what we talked about in that series was the correspondence between the objective qualities of images and patterns in how people interpret those images. So, for example, the more fuzzy and ambiguous the imagery is, is in the first place, probably the better for people who want to use it to support their alien-riddled model of the world uh, because higher quality or higher resolution imagery tends to be more easily identified as whatever it actually is. And so far, it has never been aliens. So moving on to this message from Ginger, Ginger says, Hi, guys. And she includes a photo for us to look at of a large boulder, sort of a a rock outcropping situated over a freeway. Ginger says, this is a rock I have seen all my life driving on the freeway past Eagle Rock, California. It's pretty iconic in these parts. As a kid, I was fascinated by the eagle head I saw with the eyebrow extending out and the beak carving into the hillside on the left. Uh, Folks, you you can't see what we're looking at here, but I do see what Ginger is talking about. The image she included 
does look like an eagle's head with a kind of curved beak coming down in the front. And yeah, and then there's a kind of uh, recess in the rock that could be interpreted as the eagle's eye. Okay, I can see that. I can see an eagle here. But then Ginger says, a few years ago, I found out that the eagle in the rock that the Native Americans saw is actually flying toward us. The eagle is what I thought was the eye. There is no beak. My my reaction to this new information was conflicted. I think I felt scammed at first. Obviously, some of the eagle has worn away over the years, and the shadows play a part in this image. I still see the eagle head mostly, but I can switch over when I want to. Thanks for all you do, Ginger. Uh, And then Rob, I attached a photo that she included at the end of her message where I think it's clearer what is supposed to be the eagle. It's this thing that that she was looking at as part of the eyebrow or the recess of the eagle's eye. And it's actually, I think, like the wingspan of an eagle interpreted as like swooping down to snatch up a fish or something. Ah, I see. But I do see the point you're making, Ginger, how with like, priming that you're supposed to see an eagle in this rock you saw a completely different eagle than other people did (laughs) you know like and you but you still were able to see it and i'm able to see it also with the correct priming which is evidence of just how suggestible our minds are when we are looking to see something especially a particular type of image in uh, you know basically random data in a rock face or something that's just a uh, an unrelated natural object yeah, yeah, and I wonder what it says about like modern appreciation of, and understanding of an eagle versus historic um, like Native American understanding of an eagle. You know, like maybe we're just used to seeing eagles close up in images, so we're more likely to see the head, whereas this would have been a culture more associated with like uh, sights of eagles at a distance. I don't know. I'm reaching here, but yeah, I, I can't help but wonder. I, I want to question what it is about our modern understanding of the world that might lean us in one direction that uh, prior generations of different cultures would not have gone in. I, I think another thing could easily just be also the direction that you're looking at the rock from. Like if Ginger was most likely to see it from the freeway below, whereas, uh, you know, people 100 years ago or hundreds of years ago looking at it might have been more likely to uh, regard it from a different vantage point. Yeah. All right, let's see what we have here next for us. Oh, in other news, necromancy. Uh, This one comes to us from Jamie. Jamie says, Dear Robert and Joe, I'm enjoying the pod as ever, and the current series on necromancy is especially fun. If you're looking for examples of how Gen Z is doing necromancy, I'd recommend the very recent Australian film, Talk to Me. Spoiler alert, They don't follow the rules as a good ancient Mesopotamian would, and it does not go well. Some things never change, I suppose. Oh, yeah. They follow the Enkidu path of maybe I will throw throwing sticks at the dead in the netherworld, even though I wasn't supposed to. That didn't go so well. Yeah. I mean, there aren't a lot of movies and and, uh, novels about, uh, like, strictly successful necromancy. I mean, that's, that's, that's not the trope. And they followed the instructions in the tablets to a T, and everything was A-OK. Yeah. Nothing yeah. happened. Yeah. Most boring necromancy story ever. Something's got to go wrong, right? Uh, but anyway, Jamie continues, On a much schlockier note, you might also want to try Brian Lumley's Necroscope series of novels, which have it all. Fungal vampires from a parallel hell dimension? 
embryonic mind transfer, and at the heart of it all, a battle between Cold War necromancers. I think they're enormous fun, but I cannot stress enough how trashy these books are. I was going to say he has trouble writing female characters, but to be honest, he just has trouble writing characters. I'm pretty sure Brian Lumley was the inspiration for Channel 4's parody, Dreamweaver plus actor, Garth Marenghi. Uh, Keep up the good work, Jamie. I have always wanted to read a Garth Marenghi novel, so maybe this is as close as I'll get. I've got to check this out now. I recently, uh, before this email came in, I, uh, I've talked about my decision fatigue, feelings of overchoice when it comes to book samples. And so I'll be like up late at night and I'll think back on book covers I saw when I was a kid and I'll go like, I should give that a go. Some people like that. Some people were nostalgic for that. And I do remember seeing the Necroscope book covers, especially the one that had the really frightening, like screaming vampire skull, I think with a tongue, monster tongue coming out of it. And I remember at the time, like being like a little, I was re- like reading all these Stephen King books, which was probably quite inappropriate in uh, in junior high. But but something about those Necroscope covers, I was like, this is the hard stuff. I need to stay away from this. Um so I never read them, and I, I did pick up a sample of Necroscope, the, the first one. And um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I wasn't d- disinterested, but it's just so hard for me to actually latch onto a book these days because then my mind's wandering, well, what's another book that people seem to like that I never read that you know, came out back in the day? I've never read any of these books. I don't think I'm familiar with the covers, really, but I just looked them up now, and yes, they... these covers have strong qualities of blood, 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 and bits of sick. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I mean, we're in the Halloween season. Maybe I'll pick that uh, sample of Necroscope up again and give it it another go just for kicks. Oh, but also, Jamie, I want to give a big thumbs up to your recommendation of Talk to Me. This is a a very recent horror film uh, that I actually just watched with my wife a few nights ago, and we both loved it. I thought it was really strong. One of the best new horror movies I've seen in recent years. Uh, it's got a great cast. Uh, Sophie Wilde and the, and the rest of the young cast are really excellent. The horror elements are powerfully uncanny. It has really strong, uh, I would say at the same time, traditional but original lore. I thought it was hmm. really good. Well, cool. I'll, I'll have to check it out. All right, this next message is from Russell. Russell says, Hi, Robert and Joe. I was recently listening to the Necromantic Urge Part 2 episode, and near the end you were discussing the ancient connection between sleep and death. It seems that even today we make this same connection, sometimes comforting the dying by saying that it is just like going to sleep. We're often relieved when a loved one who has been suffering is now, quote, at rest. While talking about this connection among ancient Greeks and Romans, one of you mentioned the fact that there are physical similarities, like being prone and not moving. This sparked a thought for me. While we don't generally move or don't move much while asleep, there is a small percentage of the population for which this isn't always true. Sleepwalkers. That made me wonder if there was any connection between the fact that occasionally someone who was asleep, i.e. half dead in the ancient world, might get up and walk around, and the idea that, on rare occasions, the dead might do the same. In other words, is there a connection between sleepwalking and the idea of zombies? 
Love hmm. the show and look forward to each new episode. I particularly look forward to Fridays when I can hear about another weird movie to add to my watch list. You've mentioned the idea of a Frankenstein movie run a few times in the past, which I think is a great idea. If you do, you should absolutely cover Roger Corman's Frankenstein Unbound, a movie that includes accidental time travel, children having a funeral for a bike, and the incomparable Raul Julia. Thanks for all you do. You have my permission to use my name on the podcast. Okay, thank you, Russell. Uh, sincerely, Russell. Yeah, I always feel free to specify um, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but um, let's see. First, let's talk about the parasomnia. Um, I, I think a look at parasomnia in the ancient world would be would be pretty interesting. That, that's a pretty good, pretty good topic idea. We might have to come back to that. Because, uh, you know, presumably people in the ancient world had the same sleep disorders we have now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to what extent were people of that time able to understand them and properly diagnose them or treat them? And what sorts of um, superstitions and lore rose up um, concerning them? I agree. I, I don't know what kind of evidence there would be to prove this. There might be some in literary sources, but... I, I agree that it's intriguing to think about sleepwalking as a possible inspiration for ideas about states of undeath. Yeah. But anyway, thanks again, Russell. Now, as for Frankenstein Unbound, uh, I've never actually watched this, but it has long intrigued me because uh, well, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, head if this was Roger Corman's last directorial effort or among his last. It may have been his last. And it also has an interesting cast. I mean, Raul Julia, always, always great, always interesting. Uh, John Hurt is in it. And it's based on a novel by Brian Aldiss, uh, an English writer who also penned the short story Super Toys Last All Summer Long that became AI, Artificial Intelligence. And I, if memory serves, he also wrote a very early Warhammer 40,000 novelization. Oh, okay. I, I know nothing of any of this. Uh, well, I mean, I know AI, but yeah, I'm not familiar with the author. As for the movie, I don't know. I've, I've always kind of circled it. Suspicious, interested, <laughs> turned off occasionally by some aspects of it that, you know, the, some of the aesthetics that maybe I'm like, I don't know if Frankenstein's... Some, the, the look of the Frankenstein's monster in a given Frankenstein movie can, can really move you in either direction, you know? Like I... I'll see this Frankenstein on the, 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 on the stills, and I'm a little suspicious. Meanwhile, if I see, like, the, the, the monster from, uh, what, uh, uh, Frankenstein and the monster from hell, uh, the old Hammer film, I'm like, yes, this is an amazing Frankenstein's monster. I want to know more. Oh, I just looked up the creature from, from this movie. It looks kind of like a cross between, like, a Ferengi and, uh, and Rawhead Rex, actually. Yeah, it's a strange design, but... But again, I haven't watched it uh, enough of this to, to see the monster and maybe the performance is great. Uh, a great performance can can do a lot for uh, strange design choices in the character. It had a great poster or VHS uh, uh, art, I guess. I remember from back in the day, it's like an, an eyeball uh, and it's like the eye, the eye has been stitched together. So you like to see the Frankenstein stitch work going across the eye. Ooh, ooh like a needle went into the eyeball. Yeah. Yeah. So it has a lot of things going for it. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. 
Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. All right, here's one from Marcus. Marcus says, hi, Joe and Robert. I have now been listening to your podcast for several years, and while I do not listen to every episode, I usually listen to at least one episode per week. Your recent episodes about Future Shock reminded me of the late 70s sci-fi novel The Shockwave Rider by John Brunner. This book was one of the factors influencing me to pursue a career in computing, and also, in my opinion, quite nicely predicted some trends and developments. Quickly revisiting it, I found out that one of the inspirations of the novel is indeed the book Future Shock. I do not remember you mentioning the novel, so if you have, my apologies for an unnecessary email. Um, no, no, we did not mention it, so this was a necessary email. And then uh, Marcus ends this by saying, thanks for your great work. Your podcast got me into reading all the culture novels and reading a lot more interesting stuff. I just looked up this book, and there is a classic cover of it that has mm -hmm. like a human it has like a kind of green man with his brain exposed and then there is a tongue-like uh, pink arrow going into his mouth it it's odd yeah that yeah, looks interesting i don't think i've read anything by this author 
but yeah, the, the book cover looks cool. Um, sounds like it, it covers some interesting uh, topics as well. And of course, yeah, as for the, the culture novels, they, they, they speak for themselves. Uh, they're, they're, they're pretty great. Apparently, it introduces the concept of a worm in the malware sense. Hmm. All right. This last message is from Lee uh, regarding stickiness and Weird House Cinema. Lee says, hello again, Rob, Joe, and JJ. Hope this email finds you all well. Due to something in the way the settings in my new podcast app work, or in this case, don't, I just finished the third episode of Stickiness. <laughs> well, that's okay, Lee. Um, I realize by now I'm late to the party, but the first sticky monster coming to mind is The Blob, 1958, mm-hmm. especially The Arrival and The Old Man. I just recently rewatched this classic film, which I believe you mentioned in a recent episode as well. I would vote for coverage of the 1972 Gargoyles movie. I saw it on TV then. I guess I need an excuse to rewatch. Do you? Do you, Lee? Do you need an excuse? Uh, from what I do remember, it would be a fun episode. As always, looking forward to the next episode. Love the work you do. Sincerely, Lee. Well, let's see. Uh... First of all, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of The Blob, both the 58 original and the 88 remake. I think as a kid, we had a VHS, someone had taped off the original The Blob, so I watched it many, many times. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's tons of fun. It has a great, great theme song. One of, the, one of the best horror movie theme songs out there. I feel like the original Blob is uh, a lot sillier and dumber than people might expect because it's like one of these like 50s, classics you might expect it to be more like invasion of the body snatchers or something but no it is like quite silly yeah i mean it has it has some suspenseful moments but uh with the caveat being i don't think i've ever watched it as an adult i'm only going on my memories of watching it over and over again as a kid Uh, and so some of the some of the humor might have been lost on me and i was more um you know and, and it and it terrified me more certainly the scene with the old man finding the the blob and he like gets it on a stick and holds it up and then it cl- like crawls down the stick onto his hand. Mm. Uh, that was pretty scary stuff. Um, and I, I suspect that scene probably holds up pretty well. And I believe the 88 version updated it and did a version of that as, as well. Yeah, I think you're right about that. There are some quite scary scenes with the blob, but I think mainly the, the silly stuff is like in the characterization. There, there are these sort of, um, I don't know, kids who are into racing their cars and the way they talk i just remember being quite funny yeah yeah um as for gargoyles all right another vote for gargoyles maybe we will have to uh, check it out and uh, oh and then uh, lee mentions uh, 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 an excuse to rewatch. um if anyone out there literally needs an like an excuse like a typed excuse um i I can't handwrite one but i can type one you can email us and I will type you an excuse that you can hand over to whatever authorities or loved ones need to know that you are excused and you are authorized to watch whatever weird movie happens to be. With an illegible signature from Dr. Jessup. Yeah, yeah. we'll see if we can get him to sign it. All right, well, on that note, we're going to go ahead and close out, but we'll be back. Uh, again, the rest of this week is going to be some uh, rerun episodes, but some hand-selected ones. And then next week, we'll be back with some all-new Halloween content. we got some exciting stuff lined up. Uh, just remember that our core episodes are on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Mondays, Lister Mail. Wednesdays is Artifact or Monster Fact. And on Fridays, we set aside most serious concerns to just talk about a weird film on Weird House Cinema. 
Huge thanks to our excellent audio producer, J.J. Posway. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other, to suggest a topic for the future, or just to say hello, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.